Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank. I'm the host of the show. If this is the first time you're checking out the show, thanks for uh, giving us a listen. Uh, Hopefully you'll like what you hear and continue to listen to the show. If you've listened to the show before, thank you for coming back and I appreciate uh, you being a listener. Again, this uh, podcast tackles uh, three subjects. Uh, politics, movies, and sports. Uh, as I stated in the last couple of episodes, I've been uh, kind of derelict on the sports aspect of it. Haven't really found a sports story compelling enough yet to get me to do a show on it. It's been a while. I definitely love sports. It's something that I will dive into at some point. I know the NFL season is beginning soon, so I may jump into it uh, at that point. Uh, and I've uh, been delving mostly in politics and movies. So this episode, uh, episode 32, is going to be my review of Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, So as I've read social media, the movie was released a few days ago. Uh, I was able to watch it uh, on the second day it was out. Uh, So I will have my review here in this episode. I know the reviews have been pretty much universally praising the film. Some things it's his best film. Uh, Some things he should stop right here. I know he said he's going to direct another film before he retires. Uh, There's some outstanding reviews of the movie. Uh, My review is going to be a little bit different. I don't think um, I loved it as much as most of the critics did. Uh, There's a lot about the movie that I like. Uh, My issue with Quentin Tarantino over the last 10 years or so, even probably 15 years, is 
is I believe the movies that he's made have been great in parts, but not the whole, the movie as a whole. So uh, kind of the same issues I have with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'll get more into that uh, as uh, I do the review. Also notice that the trailer for the new Martin Scorsese film, The Irishman, which was produced by Netflix, uh, was released. So I took a look at that trailer. So I'm looking forward to that film very much. Uh, you get a lot of Scorsese stock actors that uh, work with him and haven't worked with him in a while. You got Joe Pesci pretty much out of semi-retirement. You've got Pesci, Harvey Keitel, Robert De Niro, and then Al Pacino working with Scorsese for the first time. Uh, this story is based on Frank Sheeran, who was allegedly or rumored to be involved possibly in the murder of Jimmy Hoffa and the assassination of John F. Kennedy. So the film looks like an epic film uh, set in New York, of course. So hopefully uh, it'll live up to the hype. I am very excited to see this movie. I would like to see it on the big screen. Uh, I know it will be on Netflix shortly after it's released in the theater. So I would definitely want to check this out in the theaters if I can. Kind of like Quentin Tarantino's movies. These are movies that probably should be seen in theaters uh, That's a, the, to help uh, enhance the experience of watching the film. So definitely looking forward to that. You can check out that trailer. It's everywhere now. So you want to see the Irishman trailer. Um, I encourage you to check it out uh, to see. The other thing about The Irishman is, uh, which has delayed the release of the film, is Martin Scorsese was very concerned because they use de-aging special effects in this film because the film, I think, takes place over 30 years of the main character's life. So you do see some of the de-aging used on Robert De Niro in the trailer. Now, it doesn't look that bad. Now, I know it's been used. I've seen it myself in Captain Marvel. And I thought they did a good job with Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, you can still kind of tell, but it was pretty seamless to me when I saw that movie. So hopefully it will be that way in The Irishman. So I know he was concerned, rightfully so, that it would be a distraction. Uh, so hopefully it will not be. And uh, they've got the uh, the special effects down correctly so that the de-aging doesn't look either creepy or out of place or fake, for lack of a better term. So we'll see how that happens once the movie comes out. So again, I'm going to be reviewing Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hope you enjoy the review. I'm going to be reviewing Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, as with all those films, it has a very large cast uh, led by Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie. Other characters include Bruce Dern, Dakota Fanning, Timothy Oliphant and a cast of dozens in the film. So the main plot of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood centers around Rick Dalton, played by DiCaprio, who is a actor who starred in a hit television series in the 50s, but his star has faded. Uh, he was never really a superstar, but was on a popular TV show. And the movie is set in 1969. Brad Pitt plays Cliff Booth, who is his stuntman, but really doesn't do a lot of stunt work, so he's essentially his... Uh, person that drives him around and does work for him around his house, not doing much stunt work anymore. So these are the two main characters of the film. And as the film opens, we get a glimpse into where his career is at now. He's doing a lot of work in TV series where he plays the bad guy. So his career is basically at a crossroads. So there's a lot of running themes through Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, one of the main themes is his career is at a crossroads at the same time that Hollywood is transitioning from the studio system of original Hollywood 
getting ready to lead into the Hollywood of the 70s, which was the era of the actor, uh, director, and uh, more gritty type films as opposed to the entertainment that had come before. So those themes are woven throughout Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then, of course, the other main thing that has gotten a lot of publicity is the portrayal of Sharon Tate by Margot Robbie. So obviously, if you are aware of the story of Sharon Tate, you know that she was one of the murder victims of Charles Manson's family. So, uh, or family in quotes, of course. So this movie portrays her as her career is about to rise. So at the time that she was murdered, Sharon Tate had starred in a few films and her stock was going up as an actress. So I think that's also presented in the film as Rick Dalton's character, Rick Dalton's career is kind of fading. Hers is on the rise. And you do see portrayals of the Manson family and Charles Manson uh, on the periphery of the movie, um, which is one of my criticisms of the movie, but I'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, let me get to the stuff that I really liked about it because the critics have been overwhelming in their praise for this film. Uh, I don't necessarily agree, but I'm going to start with what I really loved about the film. So let's start with the performances. Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio are fantastic. Uh, these are some of their best performances I think I've ever seen them in a movie. And these are one of the great things about Quentin Tarantino films. He is able to get Wonderful performances a lot of times from the lead actors and even other actors in the film. But they're both fantastic. Uh, Brad Pitt, I think, even more so. Uh, their performances as Cliff Booth and Rick Dalton are, are you can feel them. You can feel the desperation of his career. You can see uh, in Brad Pitt's performance specifically, just basically he's a loser, for lack of a better term. He lives in a dump trailer. His life is basically an aimless, wandering mess other than whatever his relationship is to Rick. So those performances are fantastic. Uh, Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate is good. She's not given a lot to do in the sense that uh, she does not have a lot of dialogue, but one of the best scenes in the film as well is when she goes into a theater to see a movie that she's in. Uh, that whole scene is fantastic. There's a great scene where where she's watching herself and you can just get that giddy feeling from someone that's about to be famous or they see themselves on screen. I always love scenes like that in movies. I'm a sucker for those scenes. I always think back to the Tom Hanks film, That Thing You Do. If you've seen that film, uh, that's about a band in the 60s. And one of the best scenes in that particular film is when they first hear their song played on the radio. And you can just imagine if you're any kind of creative person, a writer, a director, an actor, when you see yourself on screen or see your product or your or your creation uh, up for mass consumption. I think you just get that giddy feeling that first time that that happens. So again, that scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is fantastic, fantastic. So uh, one of the great scenes in the movie. The production design, cinematography, also top-notch. Uh, you feel like you're in 1969. Uh, like I said, the look of the film is fantastic. Uh, the music, of course, he always chooses great music, so the music is good as well. Uh, I love that. Those are the main things I loved about the film. Now, I'm going to get into some of the things that I had issues with because I think I'm maybe in the minority when it comes to my qualified like, like of this film, not unqualified. So basically, my main issues with this film are my main issues that with the last few Quentin Tarantino films. Now, I've seen... Uh, Everything since Kill Bill, with the exception of Hateful Eight. I have not seen that film, but I've seen Django Unchained. I've seen 
um, excuse me, Django Unchained. I've seen uh, Glorious Bastards. And of course, I've seen this film. This film clocks in at 139 minutes. So it's, or excuse me, 159. I don't remember. It's two hours and 40 minutes, I believe. I didn't do my math right. But here's my issue. There are some fantastic scenes in this movie. But the movie, to me, it's it's still too long. There's, it's just a lot of scenes kind of meander. Uh, there's some great scenes in there, but some scenes kind of meander. And I know it's a meditation on Hollywood, and that's fine. But you've got to keep me riveted for the entire time, and I wasn't riveted the entire time. The performances are fantastic. Um, like like I said, the music's fantastic, things like that. But I think for me, if this film had been two hours, 15 minutes, maybe two hours, 20 minutes. Now you would may say, well, what's the difference for 20 extra minutes? I think 20 extra minutes makes a huge difference in a film. Uh, I think a film that's 20 minutes too long is uh, seriously detracts from my overall enjoyment of the movie. So again, there are scenes that I think were unnecessary. There's a lot of kind of things that he just puts in there because I know he deliberately has told the story in a very deliberate way and not rushing. Now, I will say that the thing I other thing I did like about the film is that it did, it felt different from other Quentin Tarantino movies, which I did like about it. That's one of the things I did like. It As I was watching the movie unfold, uh, some of the things that you see in other, in other of his films, you don't really see here. It's basically a straightforward narrative the story is pretty straightforward and i kind of did like that i just wish it was just tightened up a little bit my second issue with the movie and this is going to be a mild spoiler alert uh, i'm not going to really say but the end there's a i guess twist is the wrong word what i will say is you get some revisionist history uh kind of what you get in inglorious bastards uh, so there's a violent end to the movie. So there's some there's a there's a burst of violence that ends the film towards the end, and to me, it didn't go for me. It shifted the tone too much for me, and I thought it was too much. Not because it was violent. I don't have an issue with violence. Uh, that's fine, but it just seemed like it was a tone shift that I didn't that I didn't think went with the rest of the movie and really detracted from my enjoyment of the movie. Uh, and I won't get too much more into the scene because I don't want to give any spoilers away about what happens. But for me, it kind of took me out of my enjoyment of the film. And then again, I think had that scene been differently shot or a different way to go about ending the film, I probably would have liked the film a lot more as well. Because one of the other things that I did like about the film is its portrayal of Hollywood at that time. So the the end of an era uh, of how Hollywood was working, uh, kind of the inner workings of Hollywood, uh, that stuff's fascinating. But I think if you're not into, that's the other thing about the movie that I think detracts uh, from it as well. I think if you're not into that hardcore, then this movie is probably not for you. In the screen, in the movie, in the showing that I went to, uh, I counted six people that walked out of the movie about halfway through. Now, I would probably venture to say that these are people that are either not familiar with Quentin Tarantino's work, uh, don't know the type of movies that he makes. That's my guess. Uh, I, I'm sure they probably came to the movie because of DiCaprio and Pitt uh, and the the publicity around the movie. So I, I don't think they're true people that are fans of Tarantino. I think they were casual movie fans. And look, they have the right to walk out. But I think that kind of tells me, too, where I think it's not accessible to a lot of audiences. Not that Quentin Tarantino has any desire to be accessible. He makes the movies that he makes. And that's what makes him kind of a singular director. But I do think that really told me as far as 
the accessibility of that movie. I think I had some of the same issues, not enough for me to walk out of the film, of course, but I think it really hampered my enjoyment. Again, if they had cut about 20 minutes from the film and had a different ending, I, I would dare say this might've been my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie since Jackie Brown. Now, Jackie Brown is probably, no, not probably. It is my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Now, I know that's probably not a popular opinion. Uh, I've seen some people uh, praise Jackie Brown in the last few months as this movie has rolled out because people have done their, what are their favorite Tarantino movies. And I've seen more and more love for Jackie Brown. I actually like that movie. It's my favorite uh, as time has gone by. Uh, it's probably that one followed close second by uh, Reservoir Dogs is my second favorite uh, Pulp Fiction is funny because I know Pulp Fiction is considered like his masterpiece. Uh, and I, I loved it when I saw it back in 1994. But I think as time has gone by, I haven't really had a desire to revisit it. Like if I was going to revisit a Tarantino movie, there would be two I would revisit right off the top of my head. Would be Jackie Brown and Reservoir Dogs, which I still think are fantastic movies. So those are my two favorite. But again, this movie would have been up there had they made some of the changes of the things that I didn't like about it. So unfortunately for me, that really detracted from giving this movie my full-blooded endorsement as a classic movie. And for me, it's a simple test for me on when I think movies are classics as far as I'm concerned, is basically what I watch the movie over and over again. And unfortunately for this particular movie, I may watch it again, but I, it wouldn't be a movie I would watch over and over and over again. Uh, again, there are some fantastic things about it. Again, I think the whole Sharon Tate, Charles Manson angle didn't even need to be in the movie. I thought the whole that plot was unnecessary. Uh, I thought uh, most of the performances were good. I really didn't understand Al Pacino's performance in there. I, you could have actually cast any actor in that role uh, as the producer. I, I actually don't know why he was in the movie. Uh, I don't think he did any, brought anything to it that any other actor couldn't have brought to it. So I thought that was kind of an unnecessary casting choice. Uh, you had Bruce Dern in a small role in the film as well. Uh, like, again, the, the cast is, is is great all the way around, with probably the exception of Pacino. I don't think he was necessary. Uh, but again, the, the, the things in the movie that detracted really hurt my full enjoyment of the film. So for me, it, it's, it's tough. So again, if you love Quentin Tarantino and you love old Hollywood and you love that time period, uh, I'm sure you'll probably love this movie. I'll probably be more than I did. But again, my issue notwithstanding the, the, the pacing and the length and, and the end really, really threw me out from giving this a full blooded, super great review. But out of five Van Goghs, I'm going to go ahead and give Once Upon a Time in Hollywood three and a half Van Goghs. Uh, so again, if you're a fan of, of, of Tarantino, definitely check it out. I think uh, you'll probably like it a lot. Uh, my issues with it may not be the same issues uh, that other people have. And in fact, with the reviews that I've read, basically have been universally positive. So they didn't have those issues that I had. Uh, but again, that's that's my view of this particular movie. And again, with Tarantino, it's been that way probably for the last decade or so it's just kind of the same thing it's 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 these movies are, are clocking it at over two hours two and a half hours and if you're going to be doing that that's fantastic i don't have an issue with that but you got to keep me riveted for the entire time and unfortunately uh i was not riveted i was riveted for a lot of the time but not for the entire time uh and the last thing i want to say before i end the episode regarding this movie the one thing i will say that I agree with and I've seen other critics point out and I 100% agree even with my issues with this particular film it is great to see R-rated adult dramas become a success at the box office uh, I've stated this in other podcasts 
you know, everything is basically sequels and superhero movies and Marvel movies, which, again, I love Marvel movies. I'm actually about to see. I'm probably the only person on Earth that hasn't seen Endgame yet. So I just got it digital. So I'm going to watch it this week. Finally, I'm going to see Endgame. Uh, so I love the Marvel movies as much as anybody else does and think they've done a fantastic job. But again, as I've stated, I think it's it's hurt the ability for R-rated dramas, thrillers, things like that to – uh, take up space in the multiplex because basically what you have now is either superhero movies uh, or a large but you either have large budget superhero movies or low budgeted horror films a lot of which have been successful like get out all the movies from blumhouse so those movies have basically so you basically have for lack of a better term you have the the poor budgeted movies and the super huge budgeted movies so you don't have the middle of the road middle budgeted mid-budgeted r-rated dramas aimed at adult audiences so basically you're you know talking the 30 to 60 crowd there's really not movies made that come to the theaters uh for them anymore and that's kind of sad i miss that i love a good drama so with quentin tarantino i'm i'm very happy that he's still continuing to make the type of movies he makes my issues with him notwithstanding at least he's a original filmmaker he's his movies are always events there's always great things in them so we need more of that. We need more movies like that that are not uh, uh, either a sequel or a franchise. Again, nothing against those, but it's nice to have a mix of all of those. I think we're finding more of those kind of adult dramas on Netflix and on streaming platforms, but I definitely would like to see those in theaters. So again, my review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, directed and written by Quentin Tarantino, is going to be three and a half Van Goghs out of five. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you liked what you heard, uh, please continue to listen if you're a first-time listener. If you're not, again, thank you so much for continuing to listen. I really appreciate it. Uh, my last couple of episodes have been one of my most downloaded uh, since I've started the podcast. So, again, thank you so much. Uh, a couple of things you can do if you're interested in helping the show. Uh, the first thing is if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, please rate and review. Uh, it takes a couple of minutes, and that's one of the easiest ways you can help this podcast and any podcast that you enjoy uh, obtain a higher profile in search results. So if you could do that, that'd be fantastic. The second thing I would ask to do is if you listen to an episode uh, and like it, or if you've listened to the show for any period of time, please share on your social media. Uh, social media is one of the other biggest ways uh, to get word out on the podcast. So if you like the show and you think other people would like it, please share it on your social media. That would be uh, extremely appreciated and i would uh, be very grateful for you to do that uh, again social media is a huge platform for independent podcasts to to gain a bigger following so if you could do that that'd be fantastic the show is available on itunes google play spotify stitcher TuneIn, and Castbox. and you can also find it i think at other podcasters as well as i'm learning there's a lot of uh podcasting services or apps that have uh listed my podcast on there. So uh, if you have even just from the Google search engine, if you type in let me bend your ear podcast, uh, actually mine will come up usually first in the search and you can actually play episodes right from there. So if you don't even have a podcasting app, you could use it there. Uh, and there's plenty of other places. So pretty much anywhere you get podcasts, hopefully mine is available. But at the ones I've named, uh, definitely uh, you can find them there. If you want to email me with any questions uh, about the show or to ask questions about movies or politics or sports, the email is bendyourearpodcast at gmail 
Com. My Twitter handle is at BendYourEarPod, so please uh, follow me there. Uh, I interact mostly on Twitter, so I'll uh, answer any questions you have. I'll post when new shows are available. Uh, so if you uh, do that, I'll definitely follow up with you there. My Instagram is also the same, at BendYourEarPod, uh, so you can uh, follow me there as well. So again, hope you enjoyed the episode. If this is the first time you listen, please come back and listen some more. And if you've listened to previous episodes, uh, thanks for sticking around. And I hope you continue to be a listener of the show. Take care and hope everybody has a great week.